morning. My name's Vanessa. I'm an anchor here, and I serve mostly in OCC Kids. Would you please stand with me for today's scripture reading? We're reading um, in Ephesians 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the mind and the body, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which with, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast." How about Vanessa Cooter there reading the gospel to us? That pretty much sums it up. We should just go home now because that that's it. It's all in there. Um, if you're new, my name's Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I was just asked in the foyer by some new people if this was a heckling church. Um, can you heckle the, the pastor? <laughs> and for some reason, someone said, yes, it is. But no, this is not. I need lots of love and lots of encouragement. Um, So you're allowed out. You can yell stuff out if it's encouraging. No heckling, Matt. Just kidding. Um, We're starting a new series today. Uh, uh, Three weeks in, we're headed towards Easter. So today is going to be my day to talk about Jesus' death, the trade, the great exchange accomplished, the death, burial, and resurrection of uh, Jesus. So here we go. Get ready. Um, I was just, Sarah's not here, she's in Charleston with Sadie, I was, I was there last night, I drove in uh, so I could be here to preach, but uh, Sadie's at a dance competition and we were there, and you know, we were, we were having so much fun, and luckily for me, we had so much fun last week too, because we were in St. Augustine at the amphitheater seeing our favorite band, the Avett Brothers. Any Avett fans in here? Yeah, I saw some of you guys there, you guys, you guys. Uh, we, uh, Sarah and I love this band, they're kind of like Americana, I don't even know what that means, but that just... What you say of this type of music, it's like, yeah, it's Americana. And they're like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what type of music like, folky, you know. It's like, yeah, that's it, that's Americana. But Avid Brothers, I love them since like probably 2005. I started listening to them, Sarah liked them, and my kids. So for me, it's like, I do like the music, but there's like this nostalgia to it for me because my kids were really little when we started listening to them. And so when I listen to the music, I think about my baby girl, Kaylee, being so little and all the surf contests, being on the beach. Uh, all the soccer games, you know, it was so, like they're just connected. It feels like something to my life and memories when I listen to it. Like, you know, when you used to put your kids to bed and um, it's still light out. That was awesome, you know? <laughs> it's like you put them to bed and it's like night. They ate one chicken nugget and a fry and they're like, I'm full, daddy. And it's like time for bed, you know? <laughs> now it's like they eat way more than one chicken nugget. They eat, it feels like they eat every chicken nugget there is. And they're skinny. I don't know how they do it, you know? It's like so expensive raising kids. For those of you with young ones, as your time is coming. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's like 
So we splurged. Like, we love him. This is the fourth time we saw him. So we, like, we, we got two tickets, Friday night and Saturday night. We're like, oh, my gosh. And then Sarah bought uh, tickets for the pit, like, to get down on the stage, right? So I'm pretty jazzed up. And uh, I get down there, and I realize quickly, like, I'm 43. I'm, like, right on the edge of being too old for the pit, you know? Like, immediate, like, hasn't even started yet, and you're like, woo, ah, gosh, dang. Looking for a chair, you're like, whew. Is this thing going to start yet? It's hot down here with all these people. The bathroom's all the way over there. You know, you start like, but you know, it's like, don't ruin it, Dave. Sarah's so excited. She's all dolled up real cute, concert clothes. So, you know, we're having a great time, and we're close to the stage, and Ava's just doing their thing, and one of the brothers gets over, and he walks near the stage, and he's like pointing down to everybody, and we're all like, ah, you know, all excited. And that night in the bed, uh, we were looking at videos, and Sarah's like, look at this one, Dave. He pointed right to me. And I was thinking, I thought he was pointing at me, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I didn't want to say that in like burst or bubble, you know? Like, well, that's okay, babe. But he was definitely looking at me. Like, we made eye contact and he was like, yeah, you know, he sees me. I love your music. You know, you get all excited. But it made me think about like, why are we all, you know, I'm nostalgic already thinking about my babies and their life and they're growing. Kaylee's going to Florida State in just a few, less than two months. So is Maris. They're all leaving us. It's terrible. What am I going to do? Um, it's my favorite children or my daughters. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm feeling nostalgic, and I'm like, why are we all here? Like, yeah, we want to have fun. We're at this concert. Like, we want to have a good time. But it's like, what's driving this? Like, it's not just to, like, like the music. We're, like, seeking community and connection, and we're looking for something to connect to something bigger than ourselves, right? Like, the guy pointing to us, like, why do we, why do we want that? Why do we gravitate towards that, you know? So I'm feeling all types of ways, certain type of way, man, I'm feeling. And I'm driving back from Charleston, and Sadie crushed it, by the way. She's a freshman at Fletcher, a very competitive dance. I mean, they're just elite athletes. You know, I played football in high school, so I didn't really consider dance my sport. Um, but it's Sadie's sport. If you see how much effort they put in, they did this dance before I left called uh, children, Prayers of the Children, pastor's kid. <laughs> Nancy Des, thank you. Uh, but they just crushed it. It was awesome. But I'm driving home, and I'm thinking about all this stuff, I'm thinking about this morning, and if you don't know, if you're new here, I'm a fireman, uh, and we were on this call, like, after the Ava Brothers concert, it came in at a nursing home, assisted living place, it said that someone fell and there was, their face was injured, so we drive the ladder truck over there, that's my job, ambulance comes, and so if you've never been in one of these places, this one is government funded, right, it's run, so it's not great, like, not very big, it's pretty old, uh, you know, the staff is limited. They're doing the best they can, but there's just a lot of people in this place. It, it's, not, it's not a place you want to be, really. So we go in there. We got our stuff. We're pulling everything in there. And then one of the uh, staff's like, over here. And we go to this room. It's a small room, right? It's like a small, like a hospital-type room, but also they try to make it feel like a home. But it's none of those things. It's neither one. And there's two beds, which kind of took me back. There was, a, there was a bed with another elderly person just laying in it. And then there was this lady, and she, no one knew what happened. She tried to get up. She was probably early 80s, and she fell off and just, just, I mean, severely damaged her face, blood everywhere. And so we go to work. You know, that's what we do. You got any neck or back pain, trying to see if she's conscious. We're cleaning her up, and we're picking her up. And I'm realizing, I'm like, these people shared this room, and she doesn't, they don't know each other. They lived their whole lives separately, and now they just end up in this place, and they're sharing a room at the end of their lives, and they don't even know one another. And I'm like, we're picking her up, and we're doing the thing, and my brain is just rolling. And I'm literally looking at this lady as we're going down the hallway, and I'm like, 
I'm thinking this, did she ever go to any concerts with the person that she loved, like I did? Like, did she, did she have kids? Did she, did she raise her babies and go to dance competitions and surf contests and soccer matches and, and, and watch her children go off to Florida State or whatever college they went to? How did she get in this place after 80 years? Like, did she, lo- did she have a true love? Did she have, did, who, where are they? Where are the people in her life? Here she is alone now, but like, what is her life? What was the meaning of it? Did she live a good life, full of happiness? Did she make a bunch of money? Did she exceed all of her dreams and all those kind of things? Or was her life troublesome and hard? Like, I'm wondering this, man. Like, I'm like, you know, there's, it's not like there wasn't stacks of money. Like, she saved up all her money. It was stacked in the room and all her favorite jewelry or, or whatever her trading cards. I don't know why trading cards. There's no way she's going to collect trading cards. But where's all the stuff? Like, what, we're always worried about working and collecting and paying and going on. Tr- There's no stuff in this room. She's just by herself. And is this how it ends? I just thought that. For her, to, to be in this space, with, living in a room with someone that you don't even know, and does anyone care? With whatever money you have left, goes to a facility that feeds you and nobody knows your story. And does it matter? What does it matter? What's... what's What's the purpose of it all? What is her life? What was her life? And I'm thinking about me, and I'm thinking about you. What is our lives? What is the purpose? What's the meaning, whether things go good or bad? Doesn't it all kind of end up being the same way at the end? Huh? James chapter 4, verse 14, I thought of this verse. It says, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes the vanishing. If life has been good or bad, it all ends up the same, it seems. The vanish, the vanishing happens. The end comes. And what does it matter? What does it matter what we possess, what we accomplished? What do we really bring with us at the end is what I'm saying. And I'm just, it's just like the concert, man. I'm, it's increasingly clear to me that the only thing maybe that we can have in this life is relationship. Relationship, like that's it. Like you don't really possess anything, but you, the connection between a, a, a husband and a wife, a mother and a, and a, a daughter, a, a friend to a friend, that's, those relationships seem to be the thing that we're actually longing for and looking for. Like I went, I've known Sarah like almost 30 years of my life. I went on that concert with her. I feel like I know her better now than I did before we went. It's the connection. What have it been? I went by myself and I was standing in the pit, just me and David brothers. It'd be weird. Right? We go because we're looking for the connection. And what my contention is this morning is maybe that's what we're all actually after. Not just a relationship with one another, but a relationship with something bigger. Jesus, the God that made us. We were created. Scripture says created to be in relationship with him. And when we're disconnected, we spend so much of our lives trying to cover up that feeling with happiness, joy, success, concerts, and dance competitions never really getting away from that feeling that we're missing something. So I say all that today's about Jesus, right? And I want to ask the same question that I'm asking you and me about our lives. What is our lives? The same thing that James asked of us, I want to ask about Jesus this morning. What was his life? Because look, he, he's, you could see the same thing happens to him that happened to us. The va- he, he, came, he came, he lived, and vanished. He died. Like you and I, he died a man, but we teach that he's God. 
So what was his life? Why did he come? And why did he die? What's the meaning of it? What has happened in the world? What has happened to humankind that Jesus would come and die? What was his life? And what was the meaning behind it all? What happened? Something has happened to cause this. Something's happened in the world. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It, it needed to be reconciled. Something had broken and gone fractured and fall apart and, and something was gone wrong. And so God's reconciling. What happened? What happened to, to human beings? What happened to mankind? Romans 3. This is the most famous sin uh, scripture. Get ready, peoples. It says, for this, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Most of you probably heard that statement. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation. That's a very fancy, fancy theological word that literally means swap places, to trade places. He did what? He put Jesus forward. He sends him here to trade places with us. And how does he do it? By his blood, by his death. He trades places with us for us to, be, to receive him by faith. Why? This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over our former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just. He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Look at this with me. Propitiation, the swapping places. God presents Christ. He puts him forward as a sacrifice to shed his blood. Why? To demonstrate his justice. His justice. There you go with those big religious words again, right? You, you get around church long enough and you hear these verbiages like the holiness of God. What, what makes God holy and the righteousness of God and the justice of God? These are all highfalutin, big religious typing words when you have this view of we're trying to, to picture and paint of God. And why does it matter that God is just? You know, like, what? I mean, sure, we get it, like, but is he really going to punish people? Like, I'm a good person. You know, I've, we all want to say that one. I'm a good person. I want to hang on to that one, don't like he, I mean, I, I haven't done anything too bad. I'm, I'm a good person. You spend any time around church and apologetics and all that cool guy stuff, you're going to hear that one. I'm a good person. What does it matter? Why does sin matter enough that Jesus would come from heaven to die. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Think about it with me. So to think of God in this way is, and explain it in five minutes is almost impossible. Be like, hey, uh, there's Mars up there, right? Yeah, you want to go check it out? Well, let's get in my Tesla spaceship. We'll shoot right over this afternoon. We'll walk around, see it all. No, can't do that, can I? One, there's no Tesla spaceships, are there? It's a, well, there's a SpaceX, but it ain't making it to Mars yet. You know what I'm saying? It sounds stupid, but here's the truth of it. I know Mars is there. I know the moon is there. I can see them, but the distance is too far. I don't have the capability or what it takes to get there yet, right? I can't do it. I know it's there. And this is what's crazy to me. Like, we don't even know what's at the bottom of our own oceans, right? 
I mean, we know Mars is there and the moon, but they haven't even mapped out the bottom of the oceans on our own planet. We think we're so smart, but we want to know if God is good, why do people suffer? If God is holy, why is he just? We want to know. We demand that he tell us everything about him, even though he is altogether separate and 10 times the space of the heavens, bigger and different than you and I, altogether separate than you and I. I just, it blows my mind, you know? We, uh, we were at this training a couple days ago with the JEA guys. So they took us to their training facility. It was super cool because they want to make sure us firemen don't, like if somebody, a wire goes down, a car hits it, we don't kill ourselves. We're like, there's a wire, I'll pick it up, and we're dead. You know, um, not that the say firemen are dumb. Just saying we move a little quick sometimes. Uh, you see how fast we drive those trucks. So it was really neat. I, I, got, I thought it was so cool. But basically they were telling us, like, look, uh, these is, this is what you can do and this is what you need. And so they did this whole demonstration where this wire, a primary line, hits the ground and it gets re-energized. And they had a big pile of beach sand and they literally melted the sand, 15,000 volts. Melted it, right? And uh, they, in the class they had this image. I'll show you real quick. So they said, look, so imagine the line hits the ground and when, it, when the electricity hits the ground in the center, that's where the, the highest concentration, 15,000 volts, is slowly absorbing into the ground. But they said when electricity absorbs into the earth, it does it in a helical, circular, swirling motion. And the further you, so each line, each circle away from it, the electricity is still strong, but it's just slowly dissipating up to 30, 40 feet. So you, can ha- you, could, you, could, you have to have a distance from it. But he was like, look, that connection was run. That electricity, the power is flowing. But something has happened and the connection has been broken. And as soon as it hits the ground, you can't go near it. It'll kill you. Right? And so they do this whole thing. You can take the image down. Keep that in your head. They do this whole thing. He's got these insulated boots on, man, like expensive. All the gear. They got this big thing they call a hot stick. We have them on the fire trucks too. And uh, he's like, this thing is rated for 100,000 volts per foot. So they crank it all up, and you can hear it. And he's, he walks right into this space where, like, unbelievable power that melts sand is happening. And he takes that, that hot stick, and he's picking it up, right? And he was trying to show us this whole demonstration about generators. Here's where I'm going with this. We were supposed to be connected with God. He made us. The life of God is in it. We were made for relationship. But something has happened, and it's broken. And now we can't go near it. We don't, we're not insulated. We don't have the right gear. The insulation has been taken, and we've been cast away. Because if we were going here to God's holiness, it would, it would annihilate us. We can't stand in that space anymore. The connection's been broken. We don't have the insulation anymore, and it would kill us. So what does that look like in Scripture for us? Isaiah 6, imagine the essence of that power that melted the sand and, and, and tie it to the holiness of God. Verse 6, it says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. Two covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with the other two he flew. That's a creature right there. And one called out to another. We just sang this together a few minutes ago. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And look at Isaiah's response. Woe is me. For I am lost and I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of people that are unclean. Right? So... 
If surely, if anyone could go before God and say, I'm a good person. This is a prophet of God. He wrote one of the longest chapters in the book. Prophet means he hears and communicates with God and speaks it to us. If anybody could go near that power, that holiness, that righteousness, it should be him. And when he gets a glimpse of God's righteousness, a glimpse of his holiness, what does he cry out? Woe is me. I am unclean. I am I'm fractured. I'm corrupt. I'm uninsulated. I cannot be in this space. A lot of yelling, right? But imagine if you're in that. What would you do? Would any of us in this room have the audacity to go before the throne with all that is happening and tell him, I'm a good person? What would you say? Would you be like Isaiah and fall down at your feast confessing that you are a sinner? Or would we we'd, we'd bring down a good person at him? Can you imagine? Well, guess what? The scripture says you don't, it's, that day will come for all of us. And it'll be very much like this day. It says in Revelations 20. There's a great white throne, and all of us will stand before it, just like Isaiah did. Look at with me in Revelations 20, 11, It says this, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Listen to this. From his presence, the earth and the sky fled away, and no place was found for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what, they were, what was they, what, by what was written in those books according to what is done. I'm a good person, huh? Is, is that what I'm going to go with? Because I think you're starting to see the difference, the chasm between us. It's not just that I'm a good person. Holiness and righteousness, when we view him in this way, can only be seen as justice. Right? Can you, who, who of us would go before this scene where Jesus is sitting and the earth and the sky are literally fleeing from his holiness and his righteousness? And I'm going to say I'm a good person. Would I not tremble if I heard him speak to me like he did in Matthew 5 when he was on the earth and he looked at me from that throne with earth and sky fleeing and said, did you ever hold anger in your heart towards someone? Because if you did, you've, you've killed them. You're a murderer. If you ever looked at a woman or a man lustfully in your heart, did you? Because if you did, you're a murderer. Jesus was trying to say, look, this is not superficial. The corruption is deeper. It's like a condition that you can't be freed from. Sin has killed you spiritually. You are not insulated and you cannot stand in this place. Even though that's why I made you from the beginning was to be with me. But the connection's been broken and no one can go near it. Somebody is going to have to do something. And that somebody is Jesus. Do you see it now? Jesus, we are disconnected and that holiness and that righteousness requires justice. And Jesus takes his who was perfect, sinless. He gives us his insulation. And he goes and he makes the connection for us back to God and he dies. He gives us his life. He swaps places with me. Propitiation. The great exchange of Jesus. This is the gospel. This is what he's done. This condition, we, we can't free ourselves from it. Sin, what happened to the world? What, what's the problem? Sin. Sin has corrupted the world to the deepest level. It's like a cancer that can, that with no cure. It's corrupted humanity. 
It's broken us down and separated us just like in the garden. You know Adam and Eve's story, right? Don't eat the fruit, you'll surely die. They eat the fruit, does he die? No. But the separation, the death inwardly started. And he was cast away. She was cast away. That's us. It's the same for us. So what was Jesus' life? Yes, it was the exchange, the trading places. It was a rescue mission. He was our substitute. He takes his insulation and gives it to me, and then he dies. This is the gospel, to demonstrate his love and his justice. By Jesus the man, God was trying to communicate who he is and what he is like. It's incredible to me. He lets us see in the far depths of his deity. Yes, I am just. Yes, I am holy. Yes, I am righteous. But I love you so much, I'm going to send myself. I'm going to send Jesus. Jesus is the physical representation of God's love. He is love. How God loves us so much. This is the most personal act. If you've never heard this, if you're in this room and you're not a Christian, hear me. The most, this is the most personal act that's ever been done for you. This, to the deepest level that Jesus would give up his life, even when you were still far away, cast out, adamantly sitting, while we were still sinners, Christ died for you, me. He reveals that he loves us so much that he insulates us when we put our faith in him from the power of sin and death that's over us now. And that blood of Jesus is that insulation. It covers us, right? That's the insulation. That's why it says in scripture, your life is now hidden with Christ. You are in him. You're insulated within him. Show every one of us, every human being, all of mankind, the infinite reach of his love, that he would satisfy his very own justice by giving the life of Jesus, very God, a very God. It's, it's him. But see, this, this whole thing, right, I'm painting this picture. For Jesus, his life, this meant ultimate suffering. What was his life? I started with that. What was his life? For him, all the days that he walked the earth, it was suffering, it was going to be taking this cross, and he knew it, and he knew it, and he knew it. Can you imagine, as he walked those dusty roads, and as he preached his message of love and salvation, that he knew that he was going to take that wrath, that he was going to lay down his life, and he was going to connect us back to God, and it was going to kill him. And he knew it. His destiny was changed to death, so that my destiny could be changed to life. Billy Graham there's never been a better evangelist in our time than Billy Graham. In 1958, I saw this little clip of him preaching the gospel, and he said this. I thought it was profound. He said, the shadow of the cross was before him all time, all the time. He knew that he had to go to the cross to pay for my sins if we were going to be saved. And you should have heard of the way he was saying this, man, like a hundred times better than me. Like just, you, even it's black and white, he's just, you can just feel that. That, that, that anointing coming off of this guy as he was preaching that message because it's the truth of the universe that Jesus knew that before the foundations of the world that Christ would be crucified, that he himself would give his life. Do I understand that completely? No. Do I have a witness in the inside of me and my soul that it's the truth? Yes. Ephesians chapter two, this is our, you heard Vanessa reading it for us. This explains where I've been going. So jump into this with me, okay? Ephesians chapter two, verse one, it says, you were dead in trespasses and sins, 
trespasses and sin. I, tr- I tried to paint that picture of what happens, the disconnect. I used to have a landscaping company, and uh, we did this big job, man. It was like a $180,000 job, and we ordered all these. It was installing new uh, plants. And we asked the, the contractor, hey, man, irrigation all good to go on that side? Yeah, you're good to go. We ordered these plants. These, these, there was one part of the irrigation that wasn't good to go, wasn't even installed. But I already bought the plants. They were $800 a piece, and there were 12 trees. Not good at math, but 8 times 12 is a lot of money. And I was like, oh, my gosh. They get there, and they're like, dude, there's no irrigation over here. This is a nightmare, you know? Like, what are we going to do with these trees? It's middle of July, 1,000 degrees outside, and there's no take. You can't take them back to Home Depot. They came from a farm, you know? So I'm like, oh, so what do we do? We go we drive to Home Depot, get all this burlap. We're wrapping the roots up. We get the tractor, move it over to the shade. I got one guy just standing over there like a... Uh, He's the easiest job ever, just watering them all the time. He's like, yeah, I'll do the water part, you know, because a million degrees outside. We're laying sod and mulch. He's like, I'll water the dead trees because that's what they were. They were green, and they looked alive, but they were dying. They were perishing, right? Like they weren't, they looked good on the outside, but on the inside, they were perishing. They were slowly dying, and that's you, and that's me. We might look like it, we, we got it all together. We might look like we're living, but we're perishing. We're slowly dying because we're not connected to the thing that give us life, the source of life, God. Those trees had to be in the ground. That was their connection. And the longer that they stayed out of those, that, that, that dirt, the, longer, the, the sooner they were going to die. You see what I'm saying? It's just like, you know how many times I've been on, and Clint will say the same thing, even longer than me. I have, we've gone called to people that are in cardiac arrest right? We're going to their house. They are dead. I mean, their brain hasn't died yet, but their heart is not beating. And there is nothing that they can do to save themselves unless somebody intervenes and puts those pads on there and starts CPR. They are not going to live. They're dying. They're perishing. You know how many times he would say the same thing where you get in there and a loved one is standing over someone and her heart has stopped and they're screaming at them, get up, get up. They can't. Unless something has to be done for them to live, somebody has to intervene. Do you see it now? This is what Jesus does for you and I. This condition, this corruption of sin has separated me and there is nothing in me. I cannot do it. He is the only one. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that can give me life and save me and insulate me and satisfy the justice of God. Verse 2, it says, in, what, in, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? The devil. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Remember that. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind. We've been lied to. We got lied to in the, in the garden by this evil force, the prince of the power of the air. And what happens, we've been corrupted, and we know it. And so we just spend our lives trying to cover things up. We use happiness. That's like, we're going to cover up our exposed dead roots with success, uh, identity, fill in the blank. You know what I mean? You, you know what it is. And what does it do? The further we walk away from God... Instead of coming to him in repentance, recognizing that I'm a sinner needing salvation, we get further away and we become sons and daughters of disobedience. And we deserve the punishment that's coming. We earned it. Jesus said it the most harsh of all. John chapter 8, he said, 
you don't listen to me because God's not your father. Your father is the devil and your children of the devil. He said it. Look it up yourself. John 8 for you no taggers. It's pretty intense, you know. <laughs> Dead spiritually separation, man. I mean, I keep saying it. There's no way to, we deserve, to, we deserve it. We deserve it. I'm not a good person. You have to ask yourself, are you, if you were to stand there? Continue with the verse. And by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. This is a condition that we all have. Nobody has enough goodness to overcome it. It's something that we must be freed from. It's like our spiritual hearts have stopped beating. I'm dead on the inside, and I'm entirely under the corruption of sin. I, unless Jesus intervenes, I'm not coming back. There has to be an intervention, and here it is in these verses. If you miss it when Vanessa read it, read it with me. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus is like. He says this, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, remember, we just did this, made, he does what? He makes us alive together. Do you notice the word together? He makes us alive together with Christ, and by grace you have been saved. It's the together. He covers me. He insulates me. He makes me alive now. Verse 6, this is, you never heard the, you must be born again, John 3, Nicodemus. This is what it looks like here. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So no, I'm not, I don't get saved and immediately go to heaven. He raises me up. He puts me up there with Christ. My heart, my spirit, my, the corrupted inside part of me has been made alive. And now it's spiritually, the Holy Spirit's in me. And now I've been made alive. It's amazing to me. That's why it says in scripture, you, we are in the world, but we're no longer of it. So I'm still here, but my destiny's been flipped. I have a different outcourse now. I'm moving towards him. God, by Jesus' blood, has reconnected me. This is the gospel, guys. The unifying work of Christ, that he will come and smash every barrier. He can go through every chasm. There's no obstacle that can, that's divided humanity or fragmented us that he did not abolish at the cross. This is what he does, and this is what he's like. And why? Why does he love us? Why, why, why did he do all this? Verse 7, look at this with me. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Have you ever wondered what heaven's going to be like, if there is one? For the ages to come, both time now and eternity looked upon in one great continuity a never-ending Jesus, when you get saved and he brings you in that space, God is never going to stop heaping his grace upon us in kindness. Can you imagine with me that the God that created all things is that kind and that full of grace for you and me, even though we don't deserve it? It's the most amazing thing there is. You gotta, you gotta think, you gotta track with me on this thing. It's the point of heaven that he's never going to stop showing us and heaping on us his love and his grace and kindness. He paid it all. Even in, even in light of the sin that we des- the, and the, the penalty that we deserve, the corruption that we've chosen, he still does this. Look to what Paul says. I can just hear him saying this in like utter amazement and wonder, like screaming it f- 
for by grace you have been saved. He says it over and over. For by grace you've been saved. For by grace you've been saved through faith. There's no one like Jesus. There's no story like it. It's the great story of the universe that God would want us to know, us creatures. Who knows why? These, these, these little human beings made out of the dust and the clay, that he would want us to know what he is like, that he is love, that he is grace. And not just some mystical blob of energy out there. No, this is personal. Individually for me, individually for you, eternally, grace personified, love in human form, Jesus, with holes in his hands as he died that day. I just didn't breathe for a little bit, my bad. Um, I was like, whew, you know, take a breath. Clint's going to have to start to do CPR on me. Um, you know, if you haven't heard the story of Barabbas, so Jesus, this is Jesus' final moments. He's chained up. He's been beat. He's whipped. And there's this character that enters the Gospels named Barabbas. And it says that he was a notorious murderer, a gangster, a bad person. And he got roped up in jail by the... Uh, the uh, Romans and he was he deserved it he was in prison chained up and he was done like he was a dead man walking as they say he was still alive but his sentence of death was on the way he was destined for death he was destined for the crucif- for a crucifixion itself and the Jews had a custom where they would uh, they, with the Romans they kind of had this weird backdoor deal to try to appease the Jews the Romans they look hey once a year we'll let you swap a we'll do a little prisoner swap you give which one, and so this is where this Barabbas guy enters the scene. So imagine he's changed up and Pilate saying, hey, you know, I, we got this custom. I got this Jesus that you guys call the Messiah. And I have Barabbas. Which one do you want? And they all start cheering, give us Barabbas. And he's like, what? Give us Barabbas. This guy's done nothing wrong. His wife even had bad dreams. Do not, she, she told Pilate, who was a, a very important governor, I had a bad dream about this guy. Do not mess with him. I suffered all night. Stay away from this Jesus person. Don't do it. So he's in all this turmoil. The people are saying, give us a Barabbas. He goes, he's done nothing wrong. And they chant even more, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. He washes his hands. He said, I am innocent of this man's blood. And they shout out, may his blood be on us and on our children forever. God, did they not know that that's exactly what was going to take exactly for us to find salvation and to be reconnected, to be insulated, and to be able to move towards the throne of grace once again? They didn't know. Crazy to me, the Bible. But see, the story of Barabbas and Jesus is a visual of propitiation, the swap. Barabbas' name literally means son of the father. But he's the son of the wrong father. He's a son of disobedience. He's a child of wrath. He's, he's followed in the path of corruption. And who is Jesus? He is literally the son of God the Father. And what happens? They come and they take the chains off of Barabbas. And they put them on Jesus. Can you imagine? The scripture doesn't tell us what he thought. All he knows is, I was, I was on a path towards death and this guy Jesus is here. And they're taking my chains off and they're putting it on him. And they're telling me I'm free now. And what was he thinking as he watched Jesus walk away to take the punishment and the death that he deserves? This is a story of humanity. All of us, you and I, the great exchange where Jesus takes my chains 
not only my chain of sin, but the, my chain of, of anxiety, the chains of depression, the chains of addiction, and they take him off of me and they put it on him. He takes it all as he goes to take my place and die for me. What is my response to this? Do I, do I give him my faith? Do I give him my adoration? If you're in this room this morning and you've already made your, your, your Jesus the Lord of your life, as we respond today, will you come and acknowledge how great and how full of love and how amazing Jesus is and how he saved you, how he ransomed you and satisfied your, the judgment of God? And if you're not, if you're not a Christian, and you've never heard the gospel told like this. Imagine yourself standing at that great white throne. And you see other people go before you as the earth and the sky flee. And you see Jesus taking a stamp on some of the books. And the closer you get, you realize the stamp in blood that says paid over the sins of those. It paid for the corruption. Paid for it all. And he invites them in and he says, come. And he begins to forever and ever pour out his grace immeasurable riches of kindness and love on his people on his children on his sons and his daughters if you have not made that profession of faith do it to, what are you waiting for this is what you were made for this is the only question we will all ask when we're laying in that bed just like those elderly people where everything else is stripped away and nothing else matters the only thing that will matter is that Jesus does he have my heart? Did I give him my life? Did I give him my, my soul? There's no one like Jesus. And I don't think anybody says it better than Derek. This is his message. I've heard him say it a hundred times over the last 12 years. Jesus saves and nothing else does.